Hello, everyone. This is Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller here with my dear friend and fellow Regional Master Instructor, Ms. Wendy Betts. And we are here for this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtables. Wendy, how's it going this week? It's going great. How are you? Good. Looking forward to today's topic. I've, I've kind of, I'm a little partial to it. I'm just going to say that right <laughs> off the bat. Spent three years digging into it, but you know, it's been a while, but I still find this information fascinating. So hopefully, you know, we can dive in and, uh, you know, highlight some of the cool things that I learned and you and I have talked about at length and put into practice every day. Yes, I'm excited for you to actually fill me with knowledge as well, because I'm sure there's multiple things I'm going to learn out of, you know, off of this webinar. So I'm really excited to learn more about everything that we're going to talk about and uh, contribute where I can. How about that? Uh, you're going to contribute a ton because the, the cool thing about it is, yes, there was a lot of research behind it, but it's really easy information to utilize immediately. And as we talk through it, it's going to be like, oh yeah, this is how I've recognized this. And this is how I could apply that. So this is going to be a fun, fun time. So the topic is exercise motivation. That's kind of how we label this as Wendy and I put this together, but you're going to see in there underneath that, that exercise casualty orientation scale. That's a technical term of a screen that I utilized uh, during my doctoral research to capture this information. So that, that exercise casualty orientation scale, that's something that if you Google it, you'll go right to where this information lives. And we, in the slides, you're gonna see references to that. So why don't we jump right into it, Wendy? We'll move forward on the next slide and kind of start with, you know, for me, where it all began. Well, all right, let's talk about the introduction part of it. So, you know, and I think the big one, Marty, you know, and, and for you guys that want to know where we come up with these topics, this actually came from an email. Marty had talked about um, doing his doctorate with, you know, talking about different types of behavior and understanding people's motivation for exercise and people wanted to learn more. So I want to say thank you for the comments. Definitely keep those coming. If you have questions that you want us to talk about or topics that you want us to touch on, um, we love that type of information because we know that we're actually talking about stuff you want to hear about. And so, Marty, I know that that's one of the things we're going to discuss when we're looking at, you know, the actual introduction of, of the topics we're covering. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how the fitness professional needs to understand how the clients perceive exercise. Because I know as myself, I assume that someone's going to think of exercise the same way I do. And, you know, lo and behold, that's not the truth. <laughs> Because I'm in there, I'm, I'm in there to kill it and, you know, get the most out of the time that I'm there. I don't have all day to spend and other people don't think that way, which is, you know, who knew? Who knew? Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember the conversation going back to both our mentor, Dr. Mike Clark, when I was ready to do my doctorate and I asked him, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. But, you know, what do, when I'm looking at the research, which way do I go with it? And he just said, Marty, when you're done you're making an investment in your time and your financial resources come out with something that you can anchor to and that you can then utilize, uh, you know, moving forward and maybe add something new to uh, what is already out there. So that made me pause and think, and you'll see the image that we put up on that first slide, you know, is to exercise or to work out or not to work out. So that's kind of where my mind started to change because I always call it the apple versus apple pie theory. If after about four five, six years old, most people all the way up to the whatever age you want to cap it at. If you would put an apple and apple pie on the table and ask them which one's healthier, most people know the apple's healthier, but most people might want the apple pie. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about that with exercise because 
I have my days where I don't want to go in necessarily, but I always know I need to be f- exercising and fit the rest of my life. So where my question came in is like, wait a minute, if everybody knows this, why does such a small percentage of people not exercise? I knew there had to be some nugget there that if we could go through and uncover, could that make me better? Could that make me more money? Could it, could it elicit more people to train? So that's really where it all started. That was simply, I want to know why would people not think like you and I do? I know, but Marty, that example, who wouldn't want apple pie? <laughs> pumpkin, I'm just saying, I'll, I'll take the apple. But if you put a pumpkin and a pumpkin pie on the table, I'm all in on the pumpkin pie. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't know. That's a hard choice. I never say any pie, really. <laughs> Wendy, you, you're great with my birthday. I'm just saying it happens to fall on Thanksgiving this year. So, you know, pumpkin pie. Well, November 25th, every year. So I, I've got, yes. I'm good at dates. Yes, you are. So so now that I'm craving pumpkin pie, let's move forward before I start to have, (laughs) you know, um, cravings that I'm going to have to go attack after this. So, so as I said, I want to know why people choose to exercise or not. And I was fortunate enough that I went through and did my doctorate at AT Still University, and it's a doctor of health sciences. And I'll kind of explain that real quick. And I know when you and I've talked about this is the key thing is advancing your education for a purpose. So PhDs, it's phenomenal. People, are, they're professional researchers, and then they go in and do some amazing things. Dr. Health Science is just a little different. We have to conduct research. We have to know how to read research. But really, the main goal of a Dr. Health Science is, can you take research and then implement it on a broad scale? Can you do community outreach programs? Can you maybe work for large institutions so that way there's a, a more significant change within a certain population. I know, Wendy, you've even talked about, uh, you know, looking into to your advanced degrees and you've studied a lot of different ways to go about it. Yes. Um, and, and and like I said, everyone's kind of got their own their own avenue of where they're going to want to go. And, and uh, you know, I think, I don't know, I'm torn. So I haven't. Uh, but you can mention, though, uh, our alumni where you work has now since Yes. I'll let you share the news. Yes. So um, I, I actually teach for the undergrad and the graduate in the graduate department at California University of Pennsylvania. And we offer a doctorate program as well as a master's program, as well as an undergrad program. And the beautiful thing about that is that, you know, the, uh, the online or the undergrad is 100 percent online. The master's is 100% online and the doctorate is pretty much online with the exception of you having to go in and do your dissertation face to face with your committee. And so, you know, it's, it's really opening up the doors or trying to be very innovative and understand that people can't always get to campus. And, you, you know, with families and work and everything, they really try to accommodate your schedules to help, obviously, um, grow your education. And they offer so many different concentrations as well. And yeah, so if you want me to be your teacher, you need to sign up and go to Cal. And Marty, you teach some of the classes as well. So (laughs) we're not easy, guys. We're not easy. However, education is very important. (laughs) That's right. So now let's kind of jump into the the bulk of of what we found here. We went through and did the research. So, you know, I like this slide that, you know, that that you got this because there's a lot of people that are very motivated. So the research was built off research that was built off research, right? And that's the way a lot of things tend to go. So originally the research that I used to then do further research started back here in 1985. They did a couple studies by DC and Ryan, and they looked at the casualty orientation theory. 
And it was concerned with individual difference in the extent to which individuals or people will seek to be autonomous and controlled in their behavior. And we'll go through these definitions, but briefly autonomous is I, I got this, just tell me the why and I can follow through. Controlled means I need to have some stake in the game. Is there some type of carrot for me to chase? Is there a goal? So this is where the overarching motivation strategy started with. And then as it got more progressive, it started to look at people in different segments. Like, okay, you may be very motivated here, but why aren't you very motivated here? So that was the backbone of the secondary research that I built off of. So I just wanted to give credit where credit is due. And this is phenomenal information. You can find a lot of the original research still online without any type of, uh, you know, having to have an account in one of the, like, the PubMeds or anything like that. All about the research. All about the research. But Wendy, you and I both know, we both train highly motivated people in their business world, but not always motivated in other areas. Exactly. Exactly. We're the fun part until they Correct. get there. <laughs> right, right. So this is where self-determination theory came out of. So this represents, a, like I said, a broad framework for the study of human motivation and personality. So Wendy, you know, I know you work with elite athletes, you work with, uh, you know, some amazing people, uh, CEO types. So can you maybe talk about how you see they could be highly motivated here, but eh, maybe not so much over here? I think it's it's just really hard for them to switch their brains off. I mean, they may be as phenomenal at their job and, you know, they hold all these rankings, but then with that comes stress, comes, you know, deadlines. Also think about, you know, if they're managing people, so they have a team that they have to worry about or care about, or, you know, um, people constantly reaching out. So when you're looking at what motivates them, I mean, obviously that's their job. And if they are like me, I take my job, you know, I, 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 and you're the same way, Marty. I mean, we feel like we've got to be the best of the best at everything that we do. And so if I say that I'm going to do something, I'd really try my best to make that happen. It's not always, it doesn't always turn out that way, but I really do try. And so when you're thinking about now, you've got to turn that off to go and do this, you know, one hour with my trainer, you know, it's hard for people to turn it off or something easily pops up. So instead of them saying no to their job, they say no to me or they may say no to, you know, that commitment that they had. So, so I think a lot of it is just, you know, prioritizing to me, that's the big thing and you've got to make it a priority. I mean, I know it's in your, your calendar, Marty. I know exactly what you do on Tuesday or, you know, Tuesday and, and um, or Monday and Wednesday mornings and exactly what time you're doing things when it comes to your workout, because you're very scheduled. And if you don't make that, that schedule or you don't build that, um, you know, and commit to it, then sometimes it's easy to, kind of shoo us off. Yeah. And, and you hit that second bullet point beautifully is that's that interplay between the extrinsic forces mm -hmm. and then the intrinsic motivations in, you know, human nature. So, you know, when you look at these highly motivated people that become super successful, run their own business from a startup and they're wheeling and dealing and, you know, they're just crushing it. You would, one could assume that that motivation carries across to everything. But as Wendy so, you know, well spoke about it is, that maybe they've given everything they can over there. And another point she highlighted is they feel that it's urgent and important that other people are relying on them. All these other things going to play. But when it comes to exercise, somehow that importance and that linking isn't there. So you can take someone highly motivated over here and they show no motivation 
for the fitness. And now selfishly, you know, this wasn't anything to do with the research. We all know that if you're not healthy, you're probably less going to be less productive on the other side of it. Right. That's a secondary uh, a topic that we can talk about that we need to get these people to understand that if you want to crush it over there, you need to take care of some things over here. So, you know, at the end, we talk about a lot of other research that could come off of what was done here with this research. But Wendy, I think you perfectly nailed that, that they might give everything they got over here and got nothing left, or they don't correlate the importance of self-care. Well, and I think one of the questions that I ask my clients very often um, is, well, how much is your health worth? What is your life worth? And they look at me and I'm like, listen, I'm trying to keep you healthy. I'm trying to make you move better, feel better, you know, get out of pain, discomfort, whatever it is. And if that's not taking priority over this job or, you know, whatever it is, then that's fine. Totally understand. But you're still getting billed and I'll see you on the next session. So I do sometimes put a little bit of guilt in there, um, but but it makes them stop and think, you know, and yeah. then and usually you're going to start to see those cancellations decline because they they know that I really do have their best interest in mind and I want to make them hit their goals, but they have to be present in order for them to do that. Yeah. And it's funny that, you know, you say something, the story comes up, I'll, I'll keep it short. So I had a client who was a car guy and his nutrition was horrific. And, you know, I tried a couple of different strategies and wasn't working. So I finally said to him, you know, I brought up cars and said, Hey, you know, I'm not a car guy. You know, what's your favorite car? He was like, Oh, it's the one I'm driving right now. It was a Bentley. And I said, stupid question, but I think I know the answer. So let me, you got to take it to a specialist to, to do all the, you know, the tune up and their special oils and you can't put anything in it. That's not built for, he goes, and he's going, I'm letting him go, letting him go. So I turned to him, I said, you can replace that car. Can't you? And he looked at me, I said, why do you put junk in your body, but you take better care of your car? And he's like, I hate you. But it finally resonated with him. He's like, oh my God, I worship this piece of metal, but this is what got me that. And you could see like, boom, there was like a gut check and he did start to trend better. I had to keep him, you know, on path, but it was, it was all that took was that like, what is it worth to you? And when Mm -hmm. I found what was so important to him and I showed him that that could be replaced at any minute and he's like, ah, Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do it. I mean, it sounds like we're being mean, but you know what? We if can. you're not around to drive the car, then why even have the car? Good point. I like <laughs> it. All right. So we'll get moving forward here off this slide here. So this is what I kind of call the chief executive officer, officer theory. So we've kind of already hit on it is you see people that you're going to run across that can come to your services and it could be, you know, It could be that uh, stay-at-home mom that has four kids and get her kids to every little, you know, she doesn't miss a beat with getting them to school, helping them with their homework, getting them into aftercare activities and this, that, the other. And, you know, she's just dynamite or it could be, or she could be that same businesswoman who somehow juggles everything. But then all of a sudden the world falls apart when it's time to take care of themselves. So this is where, not my theory, this is the original research where they started to shift their focus going, wait a minute. We can't use this as such a broad brush that we're going to classify someone as either highly motivated or not motivated because there's too many slices of the pie, no pun intended, that you can't judge everybody off of one theory. So this is where it started to build. And now as we move forward, we'll see some of that advanced research. Then I picked it up from there. So we'll go forward here. All right. So. Wendy, this is where I kind of picked up off this research. So you'll see here, the original research was 85. 
So there was a gap of time. Then in 2001, Rose, Marklin, and Parfit uh, created the exercise casualty orientation scale. So they built off the general casualty orientation scale with those same personality types, but now they changed the questions to exercise. So now it became very narrow, very focused instead of broad based. So I didn't put every single question up here. It's a series of seven questions. There's three possibilities for each question and no surprise. One of them will tell you if you're autonomous, one will tell you if you're more control based, one will tell you if you're impersonal. We're going to get to that in a second. You score it and then you know which way you tend to trend. So this is online. You'll see the link here at the end. Again, if you just Google it, you'll find it. So the great thing is the university that did this, they put it out there for free and it's, I've, finished up my doctorate seven years ago, and it still is out there. So I know, Wendy, you and I have talked about this a lot, but just like anything else we do with assessments, make it simple. But if you're going to assess somebody, you better know what you're assessing. Yes, and I think this is really important, too, when we always talk about building rapport. You've got to find out what it is that brought those people into the door because you have to use that for their motivation when they say when they're trying to cancel or if they do something that they know is not in the best interest of the the you know their wellness journey because again we're not we're trying to build lifestyle changes i mean that's what a good trainer does it doesn't just hit a goal 20 pounds they're out the door and you don't see them anymore it's okay you know you may have a specific weight loss goal or muscle gain goal or whatever but if you can't apply it into everyday life and it's something that's not sustainable, then it's not anything that's a realistic goal. And to me, that's not a smart goal. And so, Marty, I think, you know, utilizing this skill and finding out the type of personality that this client may have, even if you, you maybe add this into your assessment process, find out what it is and how you need to motivate them in order to continue their, their program. That could be super, super beneficial. Yeah. And as much as I love everything that we talk about from the scientific standpoint of human movement, that is what we do at NASM. That is what we do. And that's our expertise. And obviously we get into client rapport and all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, Wendy, you said it so, so well. It's probably one of the key takeaways from this uh, session is understanding what matters to that person. And yes, we need to know all the cool things from the five kinetic chain checkpoints and all. Yes. That person doesn't necessarily care about that at that moment. And when we talk about the different personalities, Wendy, we could do kind of like a little bouncing back and forth and you'll see like, oh, okay, so this is how I might do an assessment with this person. This is how I might do an assessment with this person or this person, because at the end of the day, they'll go through the process, but how they go through the process, the more specific you tie it to how they are currently thinking, doesn't mean they won't change. We'll talk about that, is now this person's like, man, this person gets me. Right. Like we've all had those connections when I'm sure there's been somebody somewhere where you're like, man, I just connect with this person. That's what we're shooting for. Well, yeah. And <laughs> because that connection keeps them coming back. And I've said this multiple times through many, many webinars that I now my a lot of my clients are like my family. Like they take care of me just as much as I take care of them because I've been working with them so long. I understand them to your point, Marty. I know how to talk to them. I know the tough love when to use it. But then I also know when to be empathetic just because I've been around them so long and that takes time, but you have to be able to get in the door to, to be able to build that relationship or it really can be detrimental to the connection between you two, meaning they won't come to their, their, um, their sessions. They'll blow you off. You won't be the number one priority. Yep. And you know what? I think the beauty of this, it just like 
for the same reason we assess with the overhead squad and fill in the blank, the mobility assessments, or if we use Goni metric measurement, it absolutely takes out the guesswork. And guess what? This is an evidence-based approach to understanding somebody's personality. So you are a, there's like, you know, imagine if you're the sarcastic trainer or you're the very loud trainer or you're the very technical trainer, you know, that's you being you. That doesn't mean that that's exactly how that person wants to receive that information early on in the relationship. So why not add another evidence-based assessment tool to get through that connection even quicker and understanding, just like I'm going to treat somebody differently with knees adducting and feet externally rotating than I would if they had knee varus. Mm -hmm. Same thing with these personalities. I'm going to speak to them and communicate to them. Same message of what I'm trying to get them accomplished, but I understand the communication style is going to be different. Yes. We need to know how to communicate with them. Communication is yes. key in all aspects of life. <laughs> you and I are thinking the same thing. Yes. Yes. So, we, so we will go forward. So again, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't put in all the questions, but you will find them. So, all right. So let's start first. I've used these terms and I didn't define them because I knew we were coming to this. So, you know, it's like I knew what was going to be in the slide deck. So first and foremost, in no particular order is the one personality type is what we call or they classify. I'm going to use their terms autonomous. So when you have somebody that has this orientation, these are the individuals that seek out opportunities to be self-determining, regard the characteristics of events as sources of information to regulate their chosen behaviors and regulate their actions based on personal goals and interests. Wendy, I have a feeling you know somebody like this. Oh, I, I don't know anyone like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> These are the people like me that need to process the information. When I process the information and I understand the why, I'm all in, right? So this is the type of client that may ask you, well, why are we doing foam rolling again? Why are we do They're not annoying you. They are trying to put the dots in their head because they're trying to put A to B to C to get over to L, which is I want to run a 5K. And if you just kind of bypass it the whole time, they're trying to figure out the methodology, the process. I need to know the why. So we're all like this as little children. I never grew out of it. I just, why? Okay, what about this? What about, and they start connecting dots. So Wendy, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure you have clients like this as well. I do. And just so you guys know, if you can actually identify what this type of individual from the start, and you can kind of see how they process information just when you're sitting down and, and Marty and I did this last week talking about the subjective information. When you're doing that face-to-face -face conversation and asking specific questions and you realize that this is the type of individual this person is and you provide that information before the questions and the why, they love you even more because they're like, she gets me and I don't have to ask the questions. It's like, you know what, we're going to do some foam rolling. Here's the purpose of this. This is why we do this. And based on your assessments, this is going to help you feel like this. And this is going to feel, you know, you're, we're going to help clean this up and that up. And they're just like, oh, dude, that rocks. Okay. And yeah. then, and then they just do it. So, just saying. And, and don't assume that these type of people won't train with you. So when, the, when you see the word autonomous, it doesn't mean they want to be left alone. It just means they have that need to seek out opportunities to be self-determining, which means they understand what they're getting into and the process and that there is a process instead of just, Oh, we're going to show up every day and just kind of wing it. That may not work for this type of person. This might be the person that is even better with their homework. This is the person that want, maybe wants to see you putting things in a chart, right? Who knows? There's different levels of it, but this is that type of person. We've all had them. So again, as Wendy said, so great, let's speak to it, know mm -hmm. it, 
And now it just makes the relationship that much smoother. That is very true. And just awesome. realize Marty really is that kind of person too. Yes. In <laughs> and you're also areas. a good person. I'm telling you, you're kind of both. Yes. So. Well, and, and it's going to, I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> um, sure and I'll, I'll bring that in at the end. So the control orientation, these are the people that are going to rely on externally or internally imposed controlling events, such as extrinsic rewards, deadlines, regulate. Wendy, you and I both are like, what do you mean? Like, you got to get to a wedding. There's no scale. Like, I don't get it. Right. But this is that person that if they have that nugget out there, they're likely to stay on track. Now, here's the kicker. What happens when they reach that goal? A lot of times they fall off because it doesn't speak to their personality just to maintain it. Right. So I've had clients like that. I knew this and they got their goal. And I'm like, that's cool. And I'll see if you can keep it for three weeks. And all of a sudden they're like, I got that. Right. So you reset the goal. If, and if the goal, if there's not something that they can reachieve yet, because they haven't shown interest in something else, maybe you just, again, see how long they can maintain it or you have to reset the goal or they're going to check out. Now that could be, they don't come into the gym. That could be, they don't train as much. They don't take their training as serious. I don't know to the extent of it, but we've all had these type of people that there has to be some type of goal in mind. Yes. And I will tell you personally with, with clients that, that I have, if, if, for example, you're doing the 5k and we're working on trying to fix their alignment, their movement patterns, working on their gait, and then really kind of thinking about how to increase the mileage in a safe way that goes very, you know, goes along um, very well with the actual programming that they're doing in the gym. So strength work as well. I've learned that before they actually go to that race to start talking about what's next, what's next. So, okay, you've done the 5k. Have you thought about maybe doing a 10k next? And then, you know, because once you start getting them to think about now that they're almost to that goal, it's an easy transition into more sessions, more time with you. They've, they're hitting this goal. And then they start thinking, you know what, I can do that. I just did this and said, I couldn't do it. Now let's, you know, and the motivation starts. So just kind of think what's next before. Absolutely. And like I said, you're absolutely right. I'm a little bit of both and I, I will cover that at the end. You now, are. <laughs> I'm a mess. No, it's all good. There's no right or wrong, right? We're not judging. We're just assessing. So now here comes to me the most important one. And then I'll talk about how I put this into research. Oh, it's important. It must be about me. So let's, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> fail. The big fat fail, like you like to say, big I don't know, how you walked right into that one. No, this is not <laughs> you. So impersonal, I talk, this is my mom. If you guys ever meet her, I never mentioned this, right? She believes that she's doomed to fail. She believes that exercise is not for her. She believes her current state is just because, not because of what she's chosen or done or not done, right? So you'll see here, this is characterized by a belief that the behavior outcomes are beyond one's control. Now, we all have genetics and we all have right limitations, but if we set them realistically, we all are in control of being healthy. So this person, the, so this impersonal orientation, <clears throat> excuse me, they feel that they're unable to regulate their behavior to achieve a desired outcome, leading to a sense of incompetence and helplessness. So now let's think about this person. You may not know this person's in your gym. You may not know that this person has a session with you. You walk in, you see somebody new in your book, you're like, let's go, I'm going to rock it. 
you don't know that this person might have waited six months to book that that they went through and they drove around the gym six or seven times before they even walked in, that they used everything they could to try to find a way to get out of even showing up for an appointment. And all of a sudden you walk in with this big bang and energy in the middle of a gym. They think everyone's judging them. Everybody's fit. I'm doomed to fail. It's everyone's looking at me. And now you go right through and just kind of blow past what could be sitting there. And this is the person you're like, man, I crushed it. I gave them a great workout. I know they worked hard. I, you know, we had fun. They didn't show back up. Bingo. Maybe you just destroyed them not knowing that you fed into every single fear they had. I swear to you, when you identify this person, they are the sweetest. They're the most fun to train at times. The rewards you get from seeing them change their personality but I'm promising you the first uh, first session on this client is the one where you sit in a nice quiet office, you talk for 45 minutes, and then they leave. They walk out going, oh, okay, I can do this. They don't even exercise that day sometimes. So this is where to me, as a business owner, as an operator, as a trainer, I have to be able to identify all three and have an understanding. And I don't want to use the word sales pitch, but a method to, as an intake for all three of these personality types. So you're saying this isn't me. I'm, mm. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm the loud, obnoxious one. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That'll be a whole nother master instructor round table. And next week. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But you know what, Marty, to your point, I've actually had people come into the gym too. And you, you can see the fear. You can see the fear. And again, just walking in saying your name, you're so glad that they're there and you're looking forward to sitting down and getting to know a little bit more about them. Sometimes just that alone can just take some of the anxiety out and, you know, just just realize that maybe they've seen other trainers and these trainers, they didn't their personalities didn't match or they didn't see their goals or they feel like I have had clients literally tell me that they've been working out for six months because they felt that they needed to work out before they came to the gym. And I don't know. I mean, like to me, that just breaks my heart because I want them to come into the gym, no matter how they look or how they feel, because we're there to really make them feel better and motivate them into, again, the lifestyle changes, not their workout. I could care less about their workout. I care about their lifestyle and making a difference long term on things that we can discuss and help them make healthy changes. Yep. And I can think of a couple stories, but one that just will always sit with me is I knew that this was that type of person and I did everything I could within the environment I could, you know, guiding their time to when it's less busy because they were retired, you know, and here's a couple of tidbits and points. This didn't come from my research, but this is stuff in addition to is I never make a comment about somebody physically. I don't because I don't know what their triggers are. I might say, you're doing amazing. Look how much you're progressing. How do you feel today? Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. You're doing, I never say you look great. I never say, did you lose weight? Did you, when do you know this? And I have no problem saying it. If somebody says that to me and they say it wrong, even at 40 some odd years old, you could have ruined my day because I grew up with a body image that I was too skinny because everybody grew up in the Arnold Schwarzenegger days. And if you weren't, big, they called you skinny, right? So I'm very careful on how I speak to people because you don't know for a period of time how they're going to respond. So this client 
I could tell and we, things were going well and she was doing so amazing. And I just sat down and I said, you know, I want to, I want to show you something. And I pulled out some of her workouts. I said, I am so proud of you. You've gone from walking one mile to five and I gave her the percentage increase and you decreased, you know, you're walking faster and you've done this. And I've all, I didn't go through weight and things like that. And she started to cry in a good way. She's like, Oh my God. Like, like it was like, she, I think she, like the, the guard that she had up kind of came down and she started to realize how good she did. And you could see a switch in her confidence after that. So it was so rewarding to see that you could help make that change. She put all the work in. I just tried to stay out of the way and not screw it up in a sense. Absolutely. Great points. And don't, yeah, be careful because I made the mistake once of saying, oh my goodness, I love those pants you know, where did you get them? And she's like, what, do they look okay? And I'm like, I love them. They look amazing. And, you know, so to your point, you're even making a comment about what somebody wears or you love their shoes and stuff. And then you can see that, that they get, they get stressed out about stuff like that. When you're giving them a compliment, you're telling them that you love it. But the fact that you noticed it, why did you notice it? Was it the color of the shoes? Did they look weird? Do my feet look big? Are they too skinny? Do, you know, <laughs> yep. you never know. I mean, it's oh, crazy, goodness, right? It is crazy. Yes. So, so. On. That's just a tip, but you know, it doesn't mean you can't go back into that realm, but just, just yes. be careful. That's all. So those are our three main orientations. So now we'll move forward here. So this was preset. I didn't discover these. I just utilized them. So my hypothesis was, okay, individuals were more likely to exercise on a consistent basis. Are they more likely to be either autonomous or control in nature than impersonal? Because at first, you know, I want to start at a huge level. Going, okay. Do I see more people in the gym on their own, not with a trainer, on their own that are controlled or autonomous versus impersonal? So I worked at a really large country club. I got all the ethical permission to send out the surveys. And then we looked at the results. So the individuals who showed the ability to maintain a workout program for an extended period were statistically more likely to be either control based or autonomous than impersonal. I mean, it wasn't even close. So it kind of re kind of positioned my mindset that, okay, there's this is why we see such a small amount of people in the gym percentage wise, right? Maybe 20%. And I found out in my research, you know, people say, oh, 20, 25% of the, of the country works out. Reason that is, is that <laughs> self, that's self-reporting. So you have to understand that people are more, since again, go back to the apple versus apple pie, you get a survey, you know, you're supposed to be doing something, which way are you going to err on the side of precaution, right? So if they say 25% are consistent, probably less, right? So this is where I was like, okay, now we have some information. So can I get more people to stick with it if I do something and I know they're control-based? Can I get more people to stick with it if they're autonomous? But can I really capture that huge percentage of people that are probably more statistically geared to the impersonal if I can find a way to speak their language and make them feel safe in a fitness center and look what everything now in fitness is high intensity, high intensity, high intensity. Right. I mean, I'm not saying not do that business. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be a part of the industry, but where, and is there an opportunity for that larger group of people that know they need to exercise that are afraid to come in? Great points. Get so, them in there, Marty. Change the world. <laughs> hey, we're trying. So some of the future research, right? Because hopefully research leads you down a path. Sometimes it's conclusive, cut and dry. And then sometimes it actually creates more questions than you answered, or at least brings up new questions because you found something. So 
what I would like to see, and when you and I could talk about this at length, is if we gave fitness professionals understanding of these different motivational strategies, they knew how to implement them, you know, could clients orientation, could there be a bigger impact in exercise compliance, especially among impersonal, as I talked about, and then the control base once their goal has been achieved. And maybe could we get more personal training? I just thought about this with that autonomous group, if the personal trainer knew how to connect with them, because the autonomous group might be like, I got this. Because if, if a personal trainer is not educating, right, and they're just doing the person processing, like, they're doing the same thing every day. I could do this on my own, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a way that we could look at all three. But here's where you said I'm both. So we look at, <laughs> could clients have different orientations based on exercise modalities? Because all it says in those seven questions is exercise. Well, what's your interpretation of exercise? Me, it was back in the day, it would have been all resistance training. To a marathon runner, they might interpret exercise as cardiovascular training. It doesn't say which one. So where Wendy nailed it right is I am both with mobility work, corrective exercise, with any of the phases of training in the OPT model, I'm very autonomous. I do it because I know I need to do it. I know how to do it. I got it. Back in the day, cardiovascular was kind of, mm, I knew it was important, but when I was younger, I had body weight issues, meaning I was, I could lose weight quickly. So it was easy for me to push that off. Now I look at it differently. My goal is cardiovascular health, you know, as I age, but what made me realize it, Wendy was when I was going through my martial arts, I didn't want to get kicked in the head repeatedly. So what I mean by that is if you are out of shape from, from a martial arts standpoint, compared to somebody who has less skill than you, you're going to get knocked around a bit. So to me, I started to realize that, you know what, I will absolutely do my cardiovascular work because the control part is I want to perform well in martial arts. So it was interesting. And this is where further research could come into where you see somebody one of your clients and Wendy, I'd be curious to see your thoughts. They're very good at this, but they're horrible at compliance here. Same person. So is there a difference in their motivational strategy? I absolutely think so. And I think most people, in my opinion, are probably like you and myself, Marty. I'm both because I'm like you when it comes to, um, you know, being in the gym and doing certain things. I follow the model. Like I, I really don't, I mean, I may do some different types of exercises that may be a combo at times. However, I'm very structured. But when it comes to your my cardio, so I'm just like you, I actually run a half marathon for my mother every single year, and I hate to run. I hate it. I'm not good at it. I, it's not good for your body, but I do it because I know it's hard. It forces me to, to do cardiovascular work. So therefore I need to do different types of modalities. I don't always just run. I mean, I bike and I try to do things to keep heart health. I want to be able to breathe when I'm running, but, um, but I had, yes, but, but it's one of those things that I also do it with my family. I have other people that know that this is what I'm doing and they do it with me because we're supporting a cause. And so, so just, just know that, I mean, I do that with my clients as well. If they love cardio and they love that bike, and now I'm actually just changing the type of equipment. I know that they need that because of the repetitive movement, they need variety. They're not burning as many calories as they could because their bodies come very accustomed to it. That goes back to the set principle. So, I mean, to your, to your point, Marty, I think you really need to talk to your clients, find out what they love. And we talked about that last week and then find out like, what are some things that maybe you could do some transitional things that could lead to better results because it's different. 
Um, you know, so, and we got nutrition in there and now I love cardio because what I found out about myself is I love performance cardio. So I have products that I can measure my watt output. I have things that I can use third-party apps and be in the middle of Paris doing a bike ride. And okay, can I get five miles in, in under the 15 minutes that I have, or can I, on a weekend, can I get 20 miles? So I gamify it, but it speaks to me and my control where, you know, I want a goal. But if you just ask me to pedal on the bike for an hour, I, c- I would do it because I understand it's important, but I wouldn't perform to the same level as if there's a goal for cardio. So it's, it's interesting. And I think that when you look at the survey, you could cross out exercise and put cardio. You can cross it out and put resistance training or leave it generic and then ask follow-up questions, right? So this is where in all my free time, if I had more, I would uh, be doing further research off what I built. And then again, really try to narrow it. Is it safe to assume from our years of experience and seeing what we saw in the original research? I, I think the hypothesis would be fair that there are people with multiples. And when you identify them, you're probably going to get better compliance and more enjoyment from them, I would say. Agreed. I always tell people, I used to not really love biking, but then I ended up finding a way that I could have my bike and I, you know, got a trainer that I put on there and I would mm-hmm. actually record the, um, <laughs> the tour de France. And so people were like, what do you, you know, what'd you do today? I'm like, Oh, I rode with Lance. <laughs> there you go. See? Yeah, but, but you know what, when they went uphill, I went uphill when they did this. Cause I, yep. again, am very competitive. And so I'm like, if they can do no. this, so can I, so can I Marty. And sometimes I do it better. <laughs> Always. It's all about communication. Yes, you do. I believed I could. As long as you believe in yourself, anything's possible. That is. So like I said, there's a lot here, but Wendy, if you want to kind of maybe uh, go through the key takeaways. Yeah. I mean, I think the big things that that you covered, Marty, is people, we all have, we we have different minds. We have different thoughts. We process things differently. So just try try to understand your client's mindset. When you're building their rapport, you're learning about how they communicate, even just knowing you know, what, you know, are they type A? Are they, you know, or or do they just, are they all over the place? Because if you can really understand that, then you're able to, next point, communicate very effectively with your client. And once you start to really build that bond and you can make a difference in how they think about themselves, how they think about exercise, how they think about just life in general. So again, when we're talking about lifestyle, you're making a change in someone's mind about how they perceive certain things on a, on a healthy standpoint and maybe not such a negative way. And then again, just remember, just like Marty, myself, and, and a lot of you guys out there, we don't, I don't think the same way when it comes to different topics. And so I, I'm very, very structured in certain areas of my life and other areas of my life. I'm a mess, you know, because I, I am, I mean, I, I try not to be, but I'm, I'm also, I understand that I'm not perfect. I always strive to be perfect in a lot of things that I do, but I'm never going to be perfect. I have to be okay with that and I have to learn, but that's why education is important. Being, being around and surrounding yourself with, with very motivated people and understanding if that's what motivates me, then why wouldn't that motivate my client? And so I think as a trainer, we can make such a huge impact as long as we understand that everyone is different. Absolutely. And like I said, this is, um, to me, it's just a baseline how I communicate and try to evaluate the people that I talk to. And I, from experience, been doing this for seven plus years now. I just, they're so easy to identify. And I don't even have to do the survey. I can ask a couple of questions and it comes right out. 
And then again, four weeks, six weeks, that person that was impersonal when they were walking in could come in strutting it because they got, you know, they're confident now. <laughs> they might switch to control or autonomous, right? That's all good. That's what we're looking for is just to keep them moving towards a healthier lifestyle, as you said. Yes. Awesome. Well, the great information, Marty, as always. But if you guys have any questions, you know, please let us know here. Just type them in. And while those questions are coming in, if there are any, then I'll just go ahead and put my contact up. But if you want to reach out to me, um, you can email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then my information right there, marty.miller at nasm.org. And then Instagram is dr.martymiller72. So Wendy, do you want to, as we're seeing if any questions come in, talk about Optima? Yes. So Optima is right around the corner, guys. It's going to be starting on October 21st. Um, it is a 100% virtual event and it is a hundred percent free to join us online. And we have so many incredible speakers this year, super, super stoked about that. And, you know, you can join these sessions. Like I said, it's over three days. There is information that's found on NASM.org. So if you want to learn more about the sessions, who's presenting and what's happening on each day, go there type in Optima, check it out, and you have to sign up in order to get access. So I know I would love to see you there. Don't miss it. And I, I, like you said, Wendy, there's some great, great stuff. So exciting times. So Wendy, thank you as always. Look forward to, oh, we have one question that came in here. Do you have any one of those sessions? Oh, a couple questions are coming in. So let's take pause. I was about to exit stage left. So okay. Isaiah's got a question. Um, do you oh, on sales. I think he's meaning like selling like maybe memberships and things like that. So I personally don't. I know that there's a lot of I did look into it. There's a lot of great strategies on sales. But again, if you can identify that person from an assessment and now I'm talking to them about their memberships or talking to them about personal training, I would just ethically, I truly believe that this is not really sales. I'm communicating in a style that makes sense to them. I would just tie it into how they think. So that's that's the way I've done it uh, throughout my career since I discovered this. And it's it really does make what some people feel an uncomfortable situation, smooth, easy for both people, right? Because you're speaking their language. So Isaac, I hope that answers that question for you. I've got, here's a good one from Rich. How do you, this is good for you, Marty. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. How do you deal with a client that needs help, that wants help, but is also difficult to work with? <laughs> I send them to Wendy Bats. Yeah, I was going to say, Marty just says, you know, beat it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it depends on what is difficult. So difficult could be a lot of different things. Difficult could be that they're not compliant. They don't come in on time. They run out late. They cancel. Or it could be a complex series of movements, uh, uh, dysfunctions that I need to work with. Or difficult could be that they are just not a nice person and they're not respectful of me as a, as a person. So I'll divide it into the two buckets. If they are not respectful of me as a person and they're just, they're not uh, showing value to me and you know, they think that they can kind of control what I do and try to talk me out of things. I fired clients before and I fired two clients and I can tell you within minutes, they're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, this isn't working for you clearly because I have a strategy and we're going to follow that strategy because ethically I know it's right. I will try to modify it so we can, you know, how you want me to communicate or what you might want to do. But I 
went to school for this. I've studied it. I know that I have your best interest at heart. And if this isn't what you're looking for, no harm, no foul. And boy, oh boy, did they get right in line. And again, if they were not compliant with their appointment times, things like that, I would just address it early on in the relationship. When you do the intake, say, here's my policies, here's my procedures, here's the why. And if somebody breaks it, be like, you know, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I just want to reiterate that I have a 24-hour cancellation policy. If you make it up this week and it doesn't take me out of my normal schedule, no problem this time. So I'm just very professional. Like when you go to a doctor's office, hopefully when you go to your lawyer's office, hopefully they treat you professionally. And that's how I treat it. Your lawyer's the, office? Who goes well, to their lawyer? Marty. <laughs> I, we both have children. I've got a will and stuff. Don't think negative, Wendy. And just Positive. Like, I, I mean, I, that's just not something that usually comes out of your mouth. So, okay. Well, because, you know, I, I have three boys that I need to make sure are taken care of. So, I, you know. I, I get it now, but just the way that, yeah, just casual. Fair. Everybody, that's fair. You, go, yeah. you know, get, you know, but. Anyway, uh, I'll have my people talk to your people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Rich, I agree with Marty, just so you know, and, and, and it's hard to understand the definition of what you're saying is difficult because to Marty's point, if someone can't keep an appointment, charge them anyway, they understand the policy. And if they don't show up, it's unfortunate. We can't help everyone unless they want to be helped. We can try to communicate with them and really try to, I reach out to every one of my clients the night before I send reminders. And then at that point, if they need to cancel, then hopefully it's not within that 24 hour cancellation policy. So I really try to help that situation. But, but yes, if they're difficult because there's aches, pains and stuff like that, then maybe you're not the right trainer. You're not a good fit. Personalities do clash. And it's okay to suggest like, you know, if you're not happy with me, I really want you to hit your goals, but I have this other trainer that maybe you want to try and open that time slot up to someone that is going to mesh well with you. And that, that you have, you have to spend an hour with these people guys. So you need to be happy too, because you got to love what you do, or it's really hard to stay in this industry. Absolutely. Great question. Great answer, Wendy. Uh -huh. There you have it. So, all right. Well, with that being said, um, if there are no other questions, Marty, again, thanks for sharing your research. I think um, this was a fantastic webinar. So I appreciate you kind of talking us through it. And again, guys, if you have other questions that you want us to do a topic on, please, please feel free to email us because we want to make sure that we're providing you with the content that you are interested in and want to learn more about. Excellent. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.